Hello, you are listening to At Any Rates, JP Morgan's Global Research Podcast, where we look at the stories behind the biggest themes in fixed income, currency, and commodity markets. I'm Toru Sasaki, head of Japan Markets Research, and joining me today are four colleagues from the Japan Research Team in Tokyo Ayako Fujita, senior economist, Ben Shateo, head of Japan FX Research, Takafumi Yamaki, head of Japan Fixed Income Research, and Rie Nishihara, head of Japan Equity Strategy. Today is July 7th, 2022, and we are going to have a catch up on Japan markets. The comments in this podcast are based on several reports we published in the past two weeks, and those are available on the JP Morgan Markets website for institutional investors' clients. Developments in Japan's economy and markets, including inflation, monetary policy, government bonds, and currency markets, are obviously unique and different from those in the rest of the world. Therefore, we would like to share our latest views across asset classes. Fujita-san. Let's start with monetary policy. Other major central banks have started hiking policy rates. Why is it that only the Bank of Japan is maintaining its current accommodative policy and sticking with negative interest rate and yield curve control? Thank you, Sasaki-san. To be honest, this is simply because the CPI rate is still well below the BOJ's 2% target. Price increases are spreading even in Japan, but even so, the BOJ's target core inflation excluding fresh food and energy, had been negative until March, partly due to policy-induced cut in cell phone charges since last year. So BOJ's core inflation turned positive since April as the drug faded, but this is still below 1% as of May. So this is still too low for the BOJ to begin policy normalization. So with this low inflation rate, BOJ can't initiate any policy normalization. Okay, so uh, let's focus on inflation. Globally, almost every, every economy is facing high inflation. Why aren't Japan, Japanese prices rising too? A prolonged low inflation environment has changed Japan's inflation dynamics. Price pressure from higher oil prices, food, and a weaker yen have been significant in Japan, with the producer price index rising 10% in April, the fastest pace of increase since 1980. But this has not been passed on to consumer prices to any significant degree. With the vertical specialization of the production system, where SMEs produce intermediate goods and derivatives into large firms that assemble finished goods, SMEs tend to be at the disadvantage in contract price negotiations with large firms. As a result, even though input costs surge, they cannot pass on the cost, instead putting pressure on profits. Also, firms that provide goods and services to consumers were hesitant to pass on prices as well, as price hikes subsequently depress consumption reflecting households' strong resistance to price increases. This price-setting behavior resulted in decades-long low inflation environment in Japan. With the pricing behavior, cost pressures have not been fully transferred to consumer prices. So it sounds like this could be a slow moving process. So what's your focus for Japanese inflation and monetary policy? We expect firms pricing behavior to change gradually and BOJ core inflation to rise close to 1.4% by end of the year. Although this rise in inflation may not be sufficient for the BOJ to change its policy stance, and much of the price increases has been driven by cost pressures 
Inflation is broadening more recently. Consumers are also showing resilience to higher prices, with real consumption rising with the reopening dynamics despite higher prices. So conditions for the BOJ to start normalizing its policy are gradually being met. Although we see no action from BOJ as a main scenario, I think the chance for BOJ to adjust YCC policy is gradually rising. Okay, thank you, Fushita-san. Then uh, we've just heard from Fushita-san on the policy background. Let's switch gears to uh, talk about the yen. Why is the yen so weak? What's going on? Okay, thanks, Sasaki-san. Um, Look, I think on the surface, this is a, a simple story of policy divergence. Um, when we look at US yields and Japan yields, you know, they explain something like 95, even more uh, percent of the move in dollar yen over the past year. Um, so, you know, that, that differential between the, between the two. But if we take a, a shorter term horizon, um, that relationship between dollar yen and the yield spread has, has started to break down. Um, particularly over you know the past week, um, as I say, so I think you know we're seeing U.S. yields um, come down from their peak, but dollar yen has not actually moved in sympathy. And if we think about what that move down in yields implies for the level of dollar yen, based on on the relationship that has held over the past year or so, we should actually be trading somewhere closer to to one thirty rather than the current um, level of you know one thirty four, one thirty five. That's actually the largest dislocation um, of the yen from yield differentials than we've seen uh, in more than a year. So I guess the question is, you know, what, what's going on? Um, I think the first point to make is that, at least in our view, yen weakness is not just a reflection of, of policy divergence. And what we're seeing, particularly in the Tokyo trading session, is fundamental pressure on the yen from trade flows. So in other words, importers, Japanese importers need to sell the yen, they need to buy foreign currency. Um, and if we look at that in the data, um, particularly the, the trade data, you know, according to the pre preliminary figures for May, Japan printed its second widest deficit since at least the late 1970s. Now, of course, a large part of that is due to the fact that we're seeing, a, you know, we've seen a, la a large ramp up in oil and energy imports. Um, and so I think, you know, the, the final point I'd make is that the oil, oil outlook is going to be very important in terms of thinking about the yen. Yes, that, that is true. So uh, uh, with that all in mind, what is your focus of the yen from here? Okay, I, I mean, I think it makes sense to, to think about three moving parts. So, you know, three questions. What happens to U.S. yields from here? What happens to energy prices from here? And, and what happens in terms of BOJ policy from here? So we've got a target of 140 on dollar yen for the second half of the year. That's about three or 4% upside from, from, from where we are currently. And that really rests on, on a few assumptions. Um, firstly, that we haven't yet seen the peak in, in long-term or long-end US yields. Um, our 140 target on dollar yen is, is more or less consistent with our US rate strategy forecast of 3.5% on the US 10-year. Um, the second point you know, baked into our forecast is that energy prices remain high, even if they don't you know, accelerate from here. So you know, the, point being is, the point being that the Japanese trade deficit remains under pressure. Um, and then thirdly, you know, as, as we were discussing earlier, that BOJ has no major policy shifts over the, the forecast horizon. But I think the, the separate point or, or another point I want to emphasize is that, look, as, as we increasingly focus on late cycle or even end of cycle um, concerns or, or, or dynamics, 
I think that mispricing of, of dollar yen to yields that I was discussing earlier leaves it, you know, looking increasingly, um, I'd say, you know, attractive um, as a hedge in the FX space against a potential slowdown or a potential recession in the US economy. I think there's a, a valid debate to be had over the extent to which yields really decline, even in a recession scenario, you know, if you think US reflation remains high, um, and that's going to be important for thinking about the yen versus the dollar in particular. So I think if, you know, if you're thinking about where um, is best to be placed in, in terms of FX um, for, you know, a recession hedge, rather than the yen versus the dollar, we think going long the yen versus high beta currencies is, is probably more attractive. That's where potentially you see the larger corrections. Um, and we're currently recommending short uh, New Zealand dollar, short Korean won versus the yen. Okay, thank you, Van. The yen has certainly been in focus given the speed of the move. But of course, the other market that has experiencing uh, high volatility is the JGB, Japanese government bond market. The BOJ is stubbornly maintaining its YCC, which is a yield curve control policy. So Yamaki-san, could you explain what the BOJ is doing here and what the impact is going to be on the JGB yield curve? Sure. Uh, in June, the, we saw another wave of attacks uh, on YCC. So the BOJ had to uh, increase uh, GGB purchase uh, significantly uh, from the pre-announced amount uh, via fixed rate operations. The regular uh, GGB purchase amount is around 6.4 uh, trillion yen per month, but it bought at uh, 16.1 uh, trillion yen in June. Uh, under uh, JGB fixed rate operations, uh, the BOJ uh, basically says that uh, it will buy unlimited amount of three on-dollar tenure issues at 0.25%. Uh, using this very powerful uh, tool, uh, the BOJ successfully uh, defended the YCC. Uh, that's good news, but uh, because uh, fixed rate operations have negative implications on the curve and the market function, that we still see some uh, dislocations. Uh, for, inst for instance, uh, the, the newest tenure issue uh, trades near uh, 0.25%, uh, while the second on the run uh, trades near 0.2%. Uh, this large divergence uh, is a result of uh, BOJ uh, buying uh, JB366 uh, uh, last month and owing close to 90% uh, of the market outstanding. Uh, in addition, uh, fixed rate operations have reinforced uh, the divergence uh, between below 10-year and above 10-year sector. So the decoration uh, between 10-year and super long end yield uh, has been weakening. Uh, due to lower uh, corrections, uh, the super long end JGBs are facing the weak supply demand, that which should be the main reason uh, of current steepening. Uh, at this moment, uh, gross issuance of super long and JGBs is around 2.5 to 3.0 uh, trillion yen, uh, but demand from uh, lifers is uh, just only uh, around 0.5 trillion yen. So we, we think this uh, structural steepening bias will continue for a while. Okay, so uh, let's talk about YCC. Uh, many overseas investors seem to expect the BOJ to give up YCC eventually and the JGB 10-year yield to goes up eventually. What is your view? Uh, we, we think that BOJ will maintain the uh, current uh, policy stance uh, for some time. Uh, if the BOJ is going to change its policy, the, we, we think it's uh, going to be uh, very near the end of Kuroda's, Kuroda's term or after Kuroda. 
So, uh, well, of course, uh, this is the main, uh, this is the risk scenario. But in short term, uh, as there is, uh, there are uh, growing concerns around the outlook for the global economy. So, uh, near term risk might be skewed to some short covering and lower GGBOs. I see. Thank you, Emerson. So, let's wrap up with the view on equities, Nishara-san. A weekend should be positive for earnings of Japanese corporates that have large operations overseas, like big Japanese manufacturers. How do you see Japanese equity markets and what is your recommendation right now? Uh, thank you, Sasaki-san. Uh, yes, um, the, the impact of yen depreciation on exporters, EPS, and stock prices has not been very clear during the current period of yen depreciations. I think this is due to supply constraint caused, uh, caused by the pandemic effects and the uh, Russia-Ukraine war. Uh, in the past, when the yen weakened, Japan exporters benefited as price of their products became cheaper and buyers increased their purchasing volume. But this time, the benefit of the weaker yen have not been fully realized because the volume cannot be increased. JP Morgan expects that Chinese economy to reopen in the second half of the year. And if supply constraints are eased as a result, the, the low level of yen will have an impact on exporters' earnings and stock prices. But, uh, but the effect of yen depreciation is structurally smaller than in the past. This is because the ratio of overseas production by Japanese companies has been increasing. So against this backdrop, uh, uh, I, I am overweight exporters that, ben that benefit from the VPN, auto-related co companies and machinery. I see. Okay. And uh, final question. Uh, the market is getting more and more concerned about the possibility of the U.S. recession. What do you expect the impact on Japanese equity markets to be in a recession scenario? Yes. Um, uh, although the recession is not JP Morgan's main scenario, uh, there are growing concerns about the U.S. recession at this point. In both the U.S. and Europe, corporate earnings, which is an important factor in stock price formation, are strong uh, and are expected to increase 9 to 10 percent year over year in 2022. So, oh, and also at this point, Japan, as well as the US and Europe are still far from a recession scenario as far as corporate performance is concerned. So the, the July 1st Tankan report on Japanese firms uh, showed data on firms view of business condition and the revision to corporate earnings, uh, which showed that solid earnings momentum. But in the past, when the U.S. was in recessions, U.S. corporate earnings fell 30% on average. So we are paying attention to whether this could be the case in, in the future. If a recession were to occur in the U.S., past data shows that Japan stocks would be greatly affected by U.S. stocks. Um, the beta between the Japan stock and U.S. stock is 90%, very, very high high correlations. But if the Chinese economy reopens later this year and supply constraints are to be eased, this would have a positive impact. We are not sure what the total impact of the recession will be at this point. So therefore, I recommend to overweight defensive value stocks such as utility, transportation, constructions, financials, and China-related cyclicals. Great. 
Thank you all for sharing view and thank you everyone for listening in. This communication is provided for information purpose only. Please refer to JP Morgan research reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2022 JP Morgan Chase and Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on July 7, 2022.